Awesome. Well, if you got your Bibles, go with me to Philippians chapter 1. You love your Bible this morning? I hope so. Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible today, you're going to see it on the screen to my right and my left. Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 3. This is kind of the foundational scriptures for this series that we've been in called In Process. And we have a few more weeks of this series. Uh, we're actually going to stay in this series all the way through Father's Day. And then after Father's Day, we are going to be jumping into a brand new relationship series. And uh, this is going to be just an amazing time to be inviting friends, inviting like guys. If you've got that girl that you've just been like, invite them to the relationship series. We're going to help you out, all right? And so... And uh, girls, uh, um, just stay away from the guys. And so, um, but anyways, it's going to be an amazing relationship series. We usually do this through the summer. It helps us really just kind of track during the summer. And it's always a great time to improve our relationships because here's the deal. 100% of us is in a relationship of some kind, okay? So they affect us all. So we need to have a biblical understanding, a wisdom understanding on relationships, and nothing is off limits. We're going to be digging into some pretty cool stuff. I'm excited to get into it. And we're going to dig into some challenging stuff. Some stuff where it's like, I didn't know that the church would touch it. We're going to touch it. We're going to go there. We're going to deal with it all, okay? And so I want to encourage you to just start thinking about that and start inviting your friends now so they can get comfy here as we get into some big stuff. But Philippians 1, 2, and 3 is Paul's attempt, as he's writing to the Philippian church from prison, it's Paul's attempt to encourage. Many theologians and scholars would agree that this is actually one of the most joy-filled letters that Paul would write which is interesting because the context of him writing is, the, it is, in fact, him being in prison in one of the worst situations he could possibly be in. He wasn't necessarily getting what people who go to prison now get in this circumstance and in this situation. Yet he writes one of the most joy-filled letters that we can read. Whenever I need some joy in my life, I go to this letter. But then the second kind of theme that we could get out of the, the letter to the Philippian church is what we've been in in this series for the past few weeks, and it's Paul's attempt to help us all understand this truth right here is that we are all in process. Every single one of us is in process. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in process. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, don't talk to me that way. <laughs> you're in process. <laughs> so I want to read these scriptures to you just to kind of help uh, set the framework once again for this series. It's Philippians 1, 3 through 6. Paul writes this. We'll just skip to verse 6 for the sake of time. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Notice that is process language, all right? Philippians 2, 12 through 13, he says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your neighbor's salvation. No, mm -mm. Work out your coworker's salvation. Work out your spouse's salvation right? Work out the random person you don't know. Work out their salvation. No, no, no. He says, work out your own. You. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working or processing in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says this, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've also been taken hold of by Christ. Come on, that's good news, somebody. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue, I'm in process to work towards, as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. We are all in process. So today, as we continue on in our series on this Mother's Day weekend, in process, I want to speak to you from the subject, processing, please wait. 
Processing, please wait, as we look at navigating the meantime in our journey of process. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so, God, right now we need you to speak to us. We need your voice, not my voice. God, I pray that the words that we hear today would be your words, and that we would leave this place better than we came in. That as you work on our hearts, as you work on our mind, God, we realize that you are for us, so that is why you are working on us. And that as we leave here still in process, that we would understand that you are faithful in the midst of the process. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. Now, I know, that, uh, I know that we have a mixture of, of people in this room, especially when it comes to those who love meat and those who love vegetables. Um, meat eaters and, and vegans, I understand, we're, we're downtown, and so... Um, but just, just so we kind of understand who's in the building, what, those of us who love meat, just a show of hands, love meat, okay, all right, that's most of us in here, okay, off, we have an off-balanced uh, 10 a.m. today, but um, I love meat, I contend that um, before I loved In-N-Out, is it In-N-Out fans, where are the In-N-Out fans, okay, no, no, how many of you would kind of go with me now, I think In-N-Out's overrated, I, th- I think it's overrated, so I found a burger place that I actually love. More like I've actually been there multiple times over just the past week and a half, uh, three to be exact. Um, three times to be exact. Five guys, five guys burgers. I man, I don't know what it is right now. I just love the greasy poundage of five guys burgers and their fries. And so I've been eating there a lot lately. I don't know why. I'm on a new workout regimen, and so I'm I'm trying to like gain some weight here. And so um, apparently five guys will help me do that. And so. Um, I eat five guys and then I go work out. It's awesome and it's it's grueling at the same time because there's this one moment you're just like well, that milk was a bad choice. Um, so, but um, but as I was at Five Guys the other day, I've been there a lot. I'm starting to get on a first name basis with these guys, and so <laughs> they're like they're like Jason, could you please uh, insert your card because I was talking to the last person I was with there and uh, insert your card. And I was like okay, and I don't really ever pay attention to the, the card moment where you stick it and you just stick it in and then it's like what it is and then you get your card back. They you they give you your stuff, you go. But in that moment, I stuck my card in and I'm I'm reading the reader, and as the as the reader's starting to go, it's giving me all these different prompts. And as I stuck my card in, it starts to do the card thing. I see this statement made, and literally. As I'm sitting at Five Guys, getting ready to sit down to a meeting, get my burger, I'm having a Jesus moment at this processor because I read this statement, processing, please wait. And it was as if God spoke to me in that moment, just spoke to my heart, that that is what a lot of our lives are like. Many of us are sitting in this moment where it's processing, please wait. And if you're like me, when you hear the term wait, you're not doing it. Because I hate waiting. Can I get a witness in church today? Like, waiting is a very difficult thing for me. I'm an A-type personality. I drive. I don't like pausing. I will break something for the sake of trying to fix it so I have something to do because I don't like standing still. This is my issue. I'm in process. And as I'm reading this processing, please wait. I could not help but notice it. And I've read it so many times. But in this moment, for this series, it meant something more. And then I noticed something as as it said, processing, please wait. I reached out my phone, and I started trying to keep myself busy. Why? Because I don't like waiting. Come on, anybody else in the house today that that doesn't like waiting? 
They don't like waiting. So I tried to deal with what would only be a few seconds of processing time, but that's just it. We struggle with the space in between. We struggle with what I call the meantime. The meantime's difficult for us. It's the space in between our departure and our destination. It's the space where there's not really anything going on. The process is happening, but if you're like me, you don't see the process. Sometimes you don't even feel the process. You don't necessarily realize everything that God is doing. And I mean, if we're honest, waiting is a very difficult reality for us because for most of us, if not all of us, we just don't really know what to do while we wait for the process to do what it's supposed to do. Especially in our, our current society and generation. I mean, we have minute rice now. Can I just tell you, rice shouldn't take a minute to cook. There's a process, right? So here's what I want us to hear. The meantime is a natural product of process that we find ourselves in. It is the space between our departure and our destination. But here's the question I want to ask us all this morning. What do you do with the meantime? What do we do with the meantime? More specifically, what should we be experiencing in the meantime? Because I think for many of us, the experience of the meantime, the space in between is a difficult time for us. It's a time we don't really know what to do. You feel awkward sometimes in the meantime. I don't, I don't know what to do while I'm, I'm sitting here waiting. It's like standing in a line at Disneyland. That's a lot of meantime. If you've ever been there, and it's like, what do I do with myself? And like, you have a conversation for a little bit. And now, with the invention of the phone, we can all just sit there in the meantime with our heads down. Come on. But I don't know if we've been created to have our heads down in the meantime. I actually think that the meantime can be our best time if we would pick our heads up and realize that God actually has something for us in the midst of our meantime. That the meantime doesn't have to be wasted time. Because many of us are trying to jump to the next place. They're like, God, no, 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 no. Can I just get to the, to the destination? Can I just get to where I'm going? But here's the thing about the meantime, is the meantime makes us who we need to be so we can step into the destination that God has for us. And so we've got to understand that there's some things that we need to learn to step into in the meantime. Pick our heads up. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, pick your head up. Turn your neighbor and say, get off your phone. Don't do that, just leave it alone. I'm taking notes. So I think that there are three things that we need to learn to experience during our meantime moments, while the process is, is running its course in our lives, whatever that process may be. All of us are in a process. Every single one of us in this room today, myself included, we are in a process. Different processes. They look different. They feel different. They're dealing with different things in our life, but every single one of us is in a process, and every single one of our processes has the meantime. And so I think there are three things that we need to learn to experience in our meantime that will help us with this space in between. And I want to look at those three things today, but I need your help. Come on, every shot number one. First thing is this, is we need to learn how to experience joy in the meantime. Come on, every shot, joy. 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 You remember that song for those church folk who've been around? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. i got the joy, joy. Do like, you remember the song? Some of us do, the rest of you are like, no, that's weird, that's why I never went to church. <laughs> and I'm going to leave this one now, thank you. <laughs> joy in the meantime. Learning to find joy in the space in between. 
Because I think this is a difficult reality for us because many of us, we actually don't experience joy in the meantime. We experience frustration in the meantime. Right? We experience pain in the meantime. We experience bitterness in the meantime. We experience boredom in the meantime. I'll talk about this in a minute. The meantime has a tendency to, and here's the interesting thing that I've come to notice about the meantime, is that God will move us from a destination point, trying to get us to, or excuse me, from a departure to a destination point. So he starts this journey in us, yet the meantime frustrates us so much that we end up going on a totally different journey because of the meantime, taking longer to get to the destination because we simply got bored with it. Am I talking to anybody? You ever been there before? Like, detour. You're like, yeah, God, God's sending me off on this thing. Like, yeah, man, I know. Like, here I'm departing into God's promise and will for my life, and it's taking longer than I want it to, and so now all of a sudden I'm going to make a decision in my meantime because I'm frustrated in the meantime, and it's going to take me a whole other direction, and it's going to take me a while to get back, and therefore my meantime has a lot of pain and a lot more frustration if I would have just trusted God in the process, experienced some joy in the meantime, and got to my destination. So i got to have some joy. i got to experience some joy in the meantime. This is why we would read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always. Notice it doesn't say sometimes. Rejoice only when you feel like it. Nope. Rejoice only when you're an extrovert. Come on. Some of you are like, I hate this guy. <laughs> rejoice when everything is good. In life. Now he says rejoice. Always. Rejoice always. I grew up in Seattle. For the most part. And it rains in Seattle all the time. All the time. Like sun is a miracle from Jesus. And so you get used to, you get used to the sun. Or excuse me, you get used to the rain. And so in Seattle now, like, when I, like I never had an umbrella. Ever. Never. You just run. And it's like almost like because you've been raised in Seattle, you can dodge raindrops. That's what it feels like. Like you just have this superpower now that comes from living in Seattle. Then we moved to Phoenix. And it was sun all the time. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget when it rained for the first time in Phoenix, which almost never happened. So that's another miracle from Jesus, okay? But it rained for the first time. And I remember like, and I'm trying, like I was freaking out that the rain was actually touching my body because I'd gotten so used to this. I was like, ah, I'm going to melt. I'd become a true Phoenix person. And I remember sitting there getting so angry at the rain. Like, I was like, why does it have to rain? My hair is perfect right now. I'm not wet. I'm warm. Everything is good. And then all of a sudden, one of my little kids was in the rain that day, and he came out in the rain of justice, and he was just, yeah, he was young. He was like two or three. And he's like, this is awesome. Like he's bouncing around in the rain, wanting to do puddles and everything like that. And I realized in that moment, that's how a lot of us treat life. That's how a lot of us treat the process, is that we get bitter in the meantime. We don't know how to rejoice always in it. We only rejoice when we like what's happening. So he says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. Then watch this, for this is God's will. Have you ever asked the question, what's God's will for my life? It just, we just answered it. This is God's will. It's not about what you do, it's not about your job, it's not about your education, it's about none of those things. God's will for our lives is to rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. 
And this is how we learn to experience joy in the meantime, is by rejoicing. It's interesting that we would be told to rejoice always, not allow joy to be thrown on us. Is it possible that joy comes from the act of rejoicing even when I don't have joy? So you may have been woken up today and you don't have joy, but maybe you got to leave this place today going, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 down in my heart. Where? (laughs) Down in my heart to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the joy, 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 down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Hey, down in my heart. I got the joy, joy. And now all of a sudden you leave with some joy. In the meantime, you're not where you want to be. You're not where you think you should be. You may be in the meantime, but I got some joy down in my heart, and so I rejoice always. And so now I'm experiencing some joy in the meantime. I don't know. I think if there's any one point we can get from this message, we all need some joy in the meantime. Like, I remember taking off on a road trip this last summer, and uh, we had our kids in the car, three kids in the car, and... uh, uh, nine-year-old, eight-year-old, two-year-old. And the two-year-old makes a sound that sounds like a duck and a velociraptor, like, put together. And it's the most annoying now. And now it's gone to a whole other pitch. And we don't know what to do with ourselves except just throw her outside until she's done. And so, um... <laughs> and so I'll never forget this road trip because all of a sudden... Like, in the midst of all this, she's screaming, my other two are punching each other, food is being thrown, now Eric and I are arguing with each other, because it's like, this is all your fault, they share your DNA, not mine, Um, and so, did you do this, did you remember to lock the door, did you bring this, no, I didn't bring this, you didn't ask me to bring this, I shouldn't have to ask you to bring this, you should just know, we've been married long enough for you to just know. (laughs) Come on, gotten married people in the house today. And so all of a sudden we're going through this and in the midst of all that, my little girl pokes her head up, Shiloh, and she goes, hey, dad, are we there yet? I was like, no. See, Shiloh wasn't concerned about the actual destination. It was just a little while into that drive. That question was assessing another issue. It was assessing the meantime. She's trying to figure out, when are we going to be out of the meantime? And it was in that moment, it was just like, man, we got to change what the meantime looks like. we got to change the, the, the experience of joy. So all of a sudden, we turn around, and we're like, okay, guys, new game. Like, let's, let's draw things that we see out the window. And they're like, we're in Idaho. We can't see anything. And so, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we have all these moments where all of a sudden, Eric and I had some of the most deep and meaningful conversations that we've had in a really long time. And it was this joyous moment. Come on, everybody shout joy. joy. We can experience joy in the meantime. Number two, everybody shout number two. Second thing we need to learn how to experience is we need to learn how to experience contentment in the meantime. Ouch. This is Paul once again in Philippians 4. He says, I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. 
I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need. And he says, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. It's contentment. And I believe that the issue of contentment is one of the greatest issues that we face when it comes to not being able to settle into the meantime, brought on by and through process. We are, generally speaking, people who are extremely difficult to appease. And therefore, constantly dealing, not with commitment issues, contentment issues. It amazes me how fast we will pivot, switch, move, and shift with no time at all given to the process that we're in simply because we are not satisfied and content in the process, in the space in between. I'm no longer content in this nothingness. How long am I going to be single for? How long am I going to have this marriage be like this for? How long is the job going to be like this? How long is it going to seem like God is not involved in my situation? And so therefore I am not content. And here's what I've, I've found, and you might agree with me on this. I've found that the worst kind of decisions that I make in the meantime happen because of my contentment issues. Because I'm not content, I make decisions that don't make sense sometimes. Right? You ever been there before? Because you're not content or because you watch somebody else getting what they want from God? <laughs> so, so now I'm frustrated. But they're going to get theirs, I'm going to get mine. And so I make decisions outside of God's plan and purpose for my meantime, and then all of a sudden what I experience isn't what I wanted in the, in the first place, and now I'm all kinds of frustrated because I didn't, couldn't get down with contentment, and now what I have, I'm not content with as well because it was birthed out of a bad decision, not God's promise. Can we talk real in church? We got contentment issues. Here's the deal. Process takes time, and lack of contentment will try and override the process if we let it. We have to learn to experience contentment while we are in the meantime of our process. Here's the funny thing, is that I um, got onto this workout program a couple weeks ago, and I'm excited about it. We've spent a lot of time in the gym, but day two after the workout... I ran into, like, I ran into the room, Erica was in there, and I had my shirt off, and I was like, babe, it's already starting to happen. <laughs> this is just, this is just our life, right? And she looks at, she looks at me, she looks at me up and down, she goes, nope, no, it's not, nope. No, no, it's not. <laughs> so I walked out and put my shirt back on. <laughs> And then I walked over to my kids. I was like, it's happening. And they're like, yeah, it is, Dad. <laughs> I'm like, you're so much better than your mom. <laughs> you know, it's funny we do that in life. We have a tendency to try to go to the people that will tell us it's happening when it's actually not happening so that we feel better about the process. Then it subverts the actual process versus having somebody in your life that tells you, no, 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 get back into the gym. You, you're not there yet, Bubba. Get back, get back into the gym. 
lay off the five guys to get back in. (laughs) See, contentment is the secret of peace, and it's driven by one main factor, trust. Learning to trust God. So Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 tells us this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding in all your ways. Know him and he will make your paths straight. Trust the Lord. If we are looking to experience peace, then we have to learn contentment and contentment is found in trusting Jesus. And here's the truth is that we can have contentment in the meantime. That the meantime doesn't have to be a time where we're frustrated by everything. The meantime can be a place where it's like, where are you at? I don't know. I'm in the middle of this process. It's not the best. I'm kind of bored with the process. I would love to do what everybody else is doing, but I'm going to trust God with the process. We talked about that last week. And if we can trust God in the process, if I can be content that everything isn't the way that I want it to be, if I can be content that after two days in the gym, I'm not everything that I want to be, but if I trust the process after 12 weeks, after 24 weeks, after 90 days, after, you guys see what I'm saying here? And I can look back now after two years and go, wow, if I stick with it, if I keep on trusting the process, even when it doesn't look like the way that I want it to look like, man, if I can just be content that I don't look the same as this person over here and so on and so if I can just be content with the process in the meantime, I'm going to get to where God has me. I'm going to get to the place that I'm believing for. Contentment can be experienced in the meantime. And the last one is this. Every shout number three. Third thing that we need to learn how to experience is we need to learn how to experience rest in the meantime. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. You know, what's interesting is that those terms, weary and burdened, are connected to what? Work. Process. Jesus was speaking mainly to an agricultural contingent of people. So when he says in this moment, come to me, those who are weary, burdened, heavy laden, he was speaking to people who knew and understand the process of Labor, the process of work. And that many times, how many of you know, between the moments of putting a seed in the ground and reaping the harvest, there is a lot of process. And so Jesus says, listen, for those of you who are in process, come to me and I will give you rest. The teacher's commentary of the Bible says this, the Christian life is not one of struggle to carve out a bare living in the wilderness. No, the Christian life is one of appropriating all the benefits of the spiritual abundance that Jesus so richly provides. That I can find rest in my meantime. If you are tired in your meantime, if you are worn out in your meantime, I want to tell you this morning that there is rest in Jesus. For all the mamas in the house who have been pushing and believing and and, and working with your kiddos and doing all the things that you do. And for the single moms in the house who are working full time and parenting full time, there is rest in the meantime. For the rest of us in here who have been going, we've been driving, we've been pushing, we've been doing the school, we've been doing the job, we've been doing all the things. There is rest in the meantime. If your soul is heavy and your mind is weak and your heart is broken, there is rest in the meantime in Jesus you have everything that you need for the meantime just rest I can just rest man how many of you love it right now perfect time of year right you can go outside 75 degrees I did this the other day I went outside laid on my balcony just like this my deck 
I sat there. My kids were yelling, pushing each other out of trees. I was like, I got rest in Jesus right now. <laughs> I'm content with them being hurt. I've got rest. <laughs> Some of us just need to rest in Jesus. Let's just rest. Stop trying to do it all yourself. Rest. When we come to him, those who are weary and heavy laden, he says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. You know, there's another facet to this reality, though, is that for many of us, we're trying to earn something from God that he's already given us. And it's not restful. When you try to earn something from God that he freely gave, there's no rest in that. That is weariness, that is labor, that is hardship, that is legalism. But when I freely accept his grace in my life, I find rest for my soul. Why? Because I'm accepting a gift that he's given, not trying to earn an award that he's not giving. And so what we're going to do is we're going to stand to our feet in this moment right now.